0: My name is Chris Cherry. I used to be a spy.
1: My name is Bree Castellini. I used to be a vegetarian.
0: And this is Burn Noticed. A weekly rewatch of the USA television masterpiece, Burn Notice, about Michael Weston, a spy.
1: Throughout this podcast, we will be rating each episode of Burn Notice on whether it is a an episode of television. B a great episode of television. Or C, a great episode of Burn Notice.
0: If you notice that I did not use as much irony in my Saying masterpiece, it's because I really enjoyed both these episodes. I'm more. on he says both,
1: he means last week's episode and this week. Yeah, exactly. Last
0: week's episode, this week's episode. People know how we do this. (laughs) You guys get it, Um, Chris. What
1: complicated calculations go into these ratings? I'm
0: getting to it. I have not forgotten. I just wanted to. I was giving you a fun transition before we got away. From the masterpiece bit. Also, if you want to know what complicated calculations go into those ratings, listen to our intro episode or wait until the end when we'll explain them again. Also, if you or anyone you know knows Jeffrey Donovan, perhaps you're in quarantine with him, perhaps you know someone who is, please get in touch, but not in person. Send us questions, suggestions, compliments, and no criticism of any kind at burnnoticedpodcast at gmail.com. That's burn burnnoticed with a D. Or at our Twitter, at BurnNoticedPod. Also with a D. Also with a D. So this week we're talking about an episode called Fearless Leader, which aired on June 25th, 2009. And it was directed by John T. Gretschmer again. And written by Burn Notice favorite, Michael Horowitz.
1: Is this the second ever episode written by Michael Horowitz? What's?
0: No, he's written several episodes. You always forget. Oh,
1: right. I know. I always forget cuz all I know him from obviously is uh Bad Breaks, but I forget that he he's written Oh, I know it. He he also wrote um didn't he write the the Comrades? Didn't he write Comrades in season I think he two? wrote Comrades. He's
0: written a few. Um I'd have to go back and check and I don't feel like doing that right now. But he's written a few. Don't I worry, I'll do it for just it, yeah. have a list. So whenever we talk about Michael Horowitz, we're like, he wrote these and this and that. Yeah,
1: he he definitely did write Comrades and Scatterpoint, which we also really enjoy. Scatterpoint was the one with the piss money.
0: Yeah. Good episode. He's a good writer. Can I say, right off the bat, I think this is the sweetest episode of Burn Notice so far.
1: I was just going to say that. Or I wasn't just going to. I was going to say it at the end. But, like, I was, like, kind of touched it was so heartwarming and i i almost like like felt i felt genuinely emotional at the end i when like when the too. thing happens with the bad guy and he like decides what he's All gonna of it. do with the rest of his I, life there's I,
0: so much about this episode that is sweet what i like about this episode and i like this episode a lot is that it gives you two characters that are jokes that are comedy characters. That you are supposed to kind of think are kind of pathetic. And then with both of them, it suddenly gives them depth like halfway through and makes you empathize with them and then really enjoy them.
1: Yeah. I mean this is the kind of thing that you would think Alfredo Barrios Jr would like because it's like it's all about like people doing the right thing but it does it in a way that doesn't feel milk toast and vanilla no, it like doesn't. it it feels earned like I'm not just touched because a sweet thing happened like when I say sweet I don't we don't mean it in a bad way it like it's sweet because it fucking did the work and it deserved exactly.
0: it Exactly It 100% did the work like again in both instances but and especially in like the main plot, we talked last week about how um, this version of the show, the Horowitz, O'Neill, Tracy version of the show likes bad guys. This is like the ultimate expression of that, I feel like it's it's so. But yeah, I think it's so good at having fun with these characters, but then also making us appreciate these characters. Like we'll get into the details of it in the weeds. But I just want to say up front, I think this is the <laughs> sweetest episode of Burn
1: I think it is, too. It's the first one that made me genuinely emotional. And like, and I yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. I have to say, going into this week's worth of recording for last week and this week, I was a little nervous because like I was behind and it's been kind of a crazy couple of weeks. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, God, I gotta watch Burn Notice. And like, I know I like Burn Notice, but sometimes it's a fucking slog. And after episodes one and two of this season, I was not looking forward to it. I was by the end. I was like, this is exactly what I needed today. These two episodes of Burn Notice have revitalized me.
0: Yeah, and I had to do them both yesterday. I don't normally do both episodes in the same day. And I remember, like, I went home from work yesterday and was like, oh, I got to do two of these. I don't want to do this. I want to watch Fantasy High, which we'll talk about off mic.
1: Yeah. Um, Everyone go get a Dropbox or Dropout subscription. Dropout.tv. Excellent comedy programming.
0: Uh, Although Fantasy High is on YouTube. No, but don't yeah. tell
1: them that because College Humor just laid everyone off. But if Dropout can be successful, maybe they That's can true. come back.
0: That's true. You're right. Go get a subscription. I have one. Go get one.
1: Anyways, I want to get into the weeds so bad, Chris. I want to talk. We're about gonna the get sweetness. into the weeds.
0: First, I gotta give an IMDb description. Oh, fine. This was your idea.
1: <laughs> it's just for Tony, but now it doesn't matter.
0: The premise of this episode. It's for Tony. No, it's and a no good idea. Else. There's it's there's no good... one
1: else that I'm doing this for. Just Tony. 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 Tony.
0: Not a single other person.
1: (laughs) Not a single other soul in the world matters to me.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Uh The premise of this episode, according to IMDb, Tony. Tony. Is Michael, Fee, and Sam pose as an underboss's crew to bring down a criminal and hopefully get Detective Paxson off Michael's case. Meanwhile, Sam is audited by a humorless, no-nonsense IRS agent. Yeah. Um. that's another nice thing about this episode is that, like, it resolves all the packs and stuff.
1: Yeah, I it, that was nice. Finally getting like and I'm honestly, I'm frankly surprised it took them this long to figure out that that would be a good way of getting her off their case is like, hey, let's solve a couple of her cases, help her out a little bit, show her we're on the same side and, you know, also have some fun on our end. Like, it feels like it would have been the obvious first choice instead of, like, let's see how we can blackmail her. It's like, you guys are the good guys. Just show her that.
0: Yeah. But, I mean, I think the idea is that they didn't know for sure whether or not she was a good guy. It seems like it took them a while to be like, oh, no, she's a good guy. For whatever reason.
1: (laughs) Well, they're very busy. They've had a lot going on. They're (laughs) very
0: busy. But, yeah, so. I don't know if I said this. We're in the weeds now.
1: Hell yeah. I can feel it moistening between my toesies and between my fingers, which is how you should be washing your hands.
0: Exactly. Getting those fingernails. Uh, so, Michael and Fee arrive at the house of a quote unquote charmless sleeves bag <laughs>
1: uh,
0: who owes 20 grand to a client of Fee's. So, like, This is another fun thing that I've been loving about this season is this whole Michael working for Fee sometimes thing.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I enjoy it so much.
1: And her jobs are always so, like, scummy and, like, dirty and there's always, like, really terrible people. And she's just having such a good time.
0: Yeah, I love it. It's so great. Uh, As they're doing this, Fee and Michael argue about the only thing that they ever argue about which is that Michael wants his job back. And they also make plans for a dinner date using the money that they're going to get from this job.
1: Which is a very cute little thing, because like basically Michael's like, all right, I know this interaction is not going to go my way. Because she's like, hey, how about we... Just use the money and, like, you know, set up our, our business here more. And he's like, "What I need to use the money to get back in with the CIA. And they bicker back and forth. And then Michael goes, how about we compromise? I use some of my money to take you to dinner. A nice dinner. And it's, like, a fucking great line. Like, it that's is. an excellent in. But also, it was a nice way of kind of, like, diffusing the con- the conflict for a little bit. Like, it was a exactly. bit twofer. But it was, like, I that was the first moment where I was like, ooh, Michael Weston.
0: He knows what he's doing. And also... Kind of makes it clear, yes, they're dating.
1: Yeah, I mean... It's
0: a date. I think it seems like they're dating.
1: Well, so here's my thing, is that it kind of, for me, it seemed like this is the reigniting of something.
0: Exactly. Or even then, but like, it's some sort of movement or clarification or whatever it is.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, it it, it appears to me that they have been in a holding pattern to, like, deal with the fallout of the end of last season, and they're both not seeing anyone. They're, like, exclusively not dating other people, but they aren't necessarily dating each other yet, but they're, like, they have left it open, and this is Michael, like, opening the door wider, like, oh, no, I think it's time again. So that is what I am interpreting at this stage of their relationship.
0: That's Val. I think that makes sense. Whatever it is, it feels like something, which is much better than what we've had up to this point, where it feels like nothing. Yeah. So, yeah, the idea is that Fee is going to go into this house while Michael hangs out outside in order to burst in its backup later for surprised reasons. It's unclear why Michael can't just go in too.
1: I think she wanted it to be an entrance. I think Fee... Fi- Likes to do things in style. Honestly, Fee is the personality that I wish other villains in this show had, because yeah. for her it's all about big set pieces and style. Like it's not necess- like she's practical when she needs to be, but like when she can be a little fun and dangerous and you know stylistic, she do- she chooses to do that. And I exactly, I'm here for it.
0: I'm here for it. And so the idea is that she's going to go in and get the money, and that she doesn't come out in three minutes. Michael is going to go in after her. However, Detective Paxson shows up and prevents Michael from threatening people with a shotgun. And so <laughs> Fee has to make a hasty and humiliating retreat.
1: Although it's not even that humiliating because she crashes through a window of the she does crash house, through a window and then <laughs> runs right up into like a giant group of cops as the three humorless idiots come out to try and like shoot at her. Yeah. And then like yeah. they are introduced to a whole fuck ton of cops.
0: This is true. But, like, she came in and she had a lot of bluster and suddenly she was like, oh, no. Which is really fun. And um, she plays it really well where, like, that moment she's like, oh, crap, something went wrong. Okay, I'm going to go.
1: <laughs> yeah, It's just so great. More Fiona forever. I will always stand by that statement.
0: Yes. But, yeah, so Paxson shows up and says, hey, so here's what's going to happen. You're going to have a police tail following you all the time. We're not going to hide it. They're just going to follow you. There's always going to be police following you. and so Unless you come in and answer some questions. That's what it's going to be.
1: Bold move, but I like it.
0: Yeah, no, I like it. Smart. Even Paxton comes out better on this episode.
1: It's true. I think bit. this is probably my favorite Paxson episode, which is not saying much because of how much we've hated her in the past. But yeah. this is the first... Because like, I think that the thing that gives me trouble with her the most is like... She needs to play this sort of like squeaky clean hard ass, and that, like she's always like, she she's playing like Barrios's wet dream of a female cop,
0: and yes. I don't think
1: that she's good at that. I think she's better at like like I think she would be a good more like femme fatale kind of maybe or like a little bit more flirty or like I don't think she plays hard ass very well because she's. I like, don't think
0: she plays hard ass. But I I don't think she has a lot of presence.
1: Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, I I, I agree she doesn't have a lot of presence. So when she has to play like high emotion, like righteous anger, you know, that righteous, red hot Barrios anger, I don't think that it comes off well. But in this episode, she's a little bit more like, amused and sort of like chill yeah. because she's in control and I think that she plays that a lot better because she doesn't need presence She like to kind of like quietly gloat because she's too good of a person to gloat with style so the way that she gloats is kind of understated and I think that that works better for her.
0: No, I agree. Another thing about this episode is that last week I'd said that the worst part of Burn Notice is the clients <laughs> and this is a good example of that whereas I think part of it is also just we have to spend time in the episode introducing the client and setting up this is their thing, like this is the kind of person they are and we gotta find stuff for them to do. What's great about making Paxon the client is that like all of those scenes. Yeah, but then it's also like all of those scenes, all that screen time can be like plot plot stuff. Like it's all in, sort of connected. Yeah,
1: instead of just like, we have to check in with the client now and then move on. Because like so exactly. many of our recaps are just like, all right. And then we spend two concurrent scenes just catching everyone up. And then we move on to the next actual thing that happens.
0: Yeah, and they are they seem real upset that the thing isn't going as planned. They're real scared or whatever. It's like, there's only so much you can do with the client. And it's always like not the best part of the episode.
1: Yeah, agreed.
0: Anyway, so because they didn't get paid, their date has to be a lot more casual and they end up going to their usual Carlitos. Which I assume <laughs> is the place that they always go. Is that like the that bar that they hang out at? I don't know They're if you I'm, the I'm day. sure that
1: yeah, I'm sure they've mentioned it my name before, but like the way that they talk about it makes it sound like this is where we go all the time this I loved this scene this is oh, like this is, a great scene. this is on par with the scene in the beginning of Bad Breaks actually it reminded me of that a lot and I momentarily forgot that it was obviously the same writer but it's the moment where Michael and Sam are walking up and Sam is all upset that Barry gets treated to nicer restaurants than he does yes. when they have to do a job and it had that kind of energy where it's just like really fun bickering but that feels really grounded in the reality of the show like it's not running away from the type of show that it is. Is, but it's using all of the set pieces that it's been given to like its highest impact like the fact that Fiona is pissed that they're here the reason that Michael chose it the way that Sam comes in midway through and is like what I need an invitation <laughs> to, to yeah, come exactly. to our favorite I an place, place. To come and to
0: this is where we go
1: <laughs> and Fiona's like see it can't be a date and Sam's like what it's a date like it's just it's such a good comedy scene and it's so burn notice but it's also like burn notice at its best and ugh I'm just really enjoying it. I'm really yeah, enjoying this it's a this great
0: episode. little scene. Yeah, Fee is pissed because this isn't a date and she was promised a date. Um, and that's
1: fair I, I I am with her here I'm usually like because I, I like to think of myself as like a cool girl who's like really low effort you know and I'm I'm an excellent person to be quarantined with because this is already how I behave but like there's an there, like Fiona being upset that he just took her to like he didn't put any effort in even after they didn't make their score he's not putting any effort into taking her somewhere nice so that they can be alone and have like a slightly new like heightened interaction because it's a date and not just a business lunch like I get her frustration. I feel her here. Exactly.
0: I think this is a situation in which it would be so much clearer if we knew how much money Michael Wesson had, because his argument is that, (laughs) well, we didn't get paid, so I don't have money now. But you never have, you always have money, you never have money. What Mm -hmm. is your money thing? Schrodinger's money. (laughs) Exactly. But yeah, he was going to pay for it with this money, and now he cannot, is what he says. But yeah, and then Sam shows up, like, not aware that this is a date, just like, oh, we're all hanging out. (laughs) <laughs> and announces two things. One, that Paxson is squeaky clean and that you cannot blackmail her, and that they need another angle, and two that he's being audited.
1: Which and I'm actually it. very glad for it because like also cuz Sam is the only one of them that is technically clean. Like obviously he's not clean, but like Sam is living off of his government pension. And had a legitimate career that ended fine. Like there was no Sam didn't get blacklisted or anything. And like his money situation has got to be wild. So I'm kind of glad that even though it was resolved, you know, not super specifically like that. Like I liked that finally we're dealing with the fact that Sam probably has some truly crazy IRS claims.
0: Oh, 100.
1: Again, using the things that Burno's is already doing and making them matter. Exactly, Craig O'Neill. Fucking take note. This is what a tight goddamn episode looks like. Paying attention to details and using them to make your like work better instead of being like, oh, don't get bogged down by the details. Like, no, get bogged down by the details. These are the things this that make the show great.
0: Anyway, Michael gets an idea and decides to fuck with Paxson by showing up with his police tail in the middle of a stakeout that she is putting on where there cannot be police around. And she gets reasonably upset about this. And he's like... Well, I got these police following me around. <laughs> it's just I've been like trying to solve this case for eight months, and he's like, "Well, you just got to leave me alone, then." Like, you got to know that we're on the same side. And she tells him that she needs proof of that, which gives Michael an idea.
1: Bird, notice listeners, if you're if you're if I keep this in the episode, here's what's been happening: Chris's Bluetooth headphones are slowly losing batteries, but something is weird about his connection, so he might need to just chill with it. There is also, or, oh, nope, it's still going. There is also a, a car alarm going off in his neighborhood.
0: It's delightful. I don't know what to do about this.
1: <laughs> yeah, you really can't plan for someone's very loud car alarm going off outside your window while you record a podcast about Burn Notice, huh? Yeah, I know. What I like about, what I like about the scene of Michael driving up to, like, screw with Paxson's, um like, stakeout is that is a great play. Like her play on giving him a police tale again, great play by her. But great counterplay by Michael fucking up one of her stakeouts with a bunch of police. Like this is, this is the first moment where I'm like, this feels semi-evenly matched. Like this seems- Fucking Christ. Oh no, I just heard it. All right, well, you can't hear it on my end. So I'm going to finish my thought and then we can continue waiting. I just, I really like that this is the first moment where it feels like, there's a give and take because like she's sort of the Bly stand of this season, but Bly was actually good at fucking with Michael's life and vice versa. And so this feels like the first episode and it's almost a shame that it's the final episode that she's in that, that she's actually affecting his life in any fun way to allow him to affect hers right back.
0: I agree. I agree with that thing you just said. <laughs> it's like, you just said it. And it's not like we had to hold her car alarm and talk about Fantasy High for like five minutes. Anyway, so Michael briefly ducks into Madeline's in order to lose his police tail and so that Sharon Glass can get paid. She announces to Michael that after baking him a cake for v- a few episodes ago, she's trying out baking cookies. <laughs> that's important. We're going to like, just so you know, that is that is the arc we're going to follow with Madeline now. <laughs> and that's it. That's all you need to know.
1: Yeah, that's really it. So
0: Michael gets a hold of one of the most common cars in Miami in order to make himself harder to tail. In this car, he meets Sam at, while sticking out Paxson. It turns out Paxson has also been doggedly pursuing a criminal named Rick Matheson, who rips Ma- off drug dealers.
1: Matheson.
0: Matheson. He doesn't look like a Matheson.
1: Well, you know what they're referencing, right?
0: The Tim the Matheson. Director? Yeah.
1: Yeah, they're they're oh, They're, buddy. They it. they're yeah. handsome old man buddy.
0: Exactly. Um who rips off drug dealers, but not in a cool like Omar from the Wire way.
1: <laughs>
0: and he has killed a ton of people, but he hides it like a pro. And Paxson could never make a case on him, and he wound up suing her for harassment. So Michael decides that they're going to deal with him whether she likes it or not. Also in this scene, we learn but Sam is excited because he's being audited by someone named Stacy Connolly. So Sam knows that all he has to do is turn on the charm and maybe do whatever it is that he does to women that make them give him cars and do crimes and ambulances.
1: <laughs>
0: and then he'll get off of, out of his audit. What I'm wondering is, what I was wondering the first time I watched this, the only time I watched this, <laughs> is like, I wonder if... Uh Detective Paxson will be cool if he just arranges Ma- Matheson's death like he so often does. <laughs> like they end up
1: delivering
0: they end up delivering Matheson to her, which is good. But like what if he just straight up killed Matheson like he does all the time?
1: And then he like meets like and then she gets back into her police car like kind of disappointed that she's never going to be able to bring him to justice and Michael Weston is sitting in the back seat and he's like, "I did it
0: for you." <laughs> That really, I was thinking about that, how the show's version of Michael Weston is a lot like the Batman Begins Batman, where he's like, <laughs> I can't kill you, but I don't have to save you. That's exactly what Michael Weston does all the it's time.
1: Fully Michael Weston.
0: Anyway, so we cut to the scene of Sam meeting Stacy Connolly, but it turns out Stacy Connolly is a man and is no nonsense. Stacy takes one look at Sam at the bar that he hangs out in. And decides that this is too much nonsense. <laughs> and they will have to meet again when Sam is actually prepared. Because Sam has prepared nothing.
1: Yeah, he just like, bought oh, him that's some... Not true. He...
0: He's prepared a lot of seduction equipment. <laughs> <laughs> and none of his actual business equipment. <laughs> yeah, some yeah. of his
1: equipment is very prepared. Other exactly. equipment, less so.
0: Stacy takes one look at this and he's like... Nope. call me when you want to do business <laughs> and not nonsense. Anyway, so Michael and Fee uh, stake out Matheson at the bar where he hangs out at or the B where he HOs <laughs> and decides that the best B-ho. way Yeah. <laughs> and decides the best way into his organization is through Tommy, who they describe as a frustrated middle manager. Tommy's a guy who's hanging out with Matheson um but yeah seems unhappy mm-hmm. and we've seen this before we know the drill and then Paxson shows up and then nothing new happens it's just like i'm Paxson, and these are my things and michael's like yeah i'm michael and these are my things and yada 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 it's fine it's decently written
1: yeah the so, problem is Paxson doesn't have any like because she's such a goody two-shoe she has nothing like there's nothing that we can do with her like no. the last time, Micah Horowitz got to write a fun episode when with Jason Bly. Like Jason Bly is, um, the, the this lady of last season. But Jason Bly is a little bit darker. You know, he he can go a little further. So like whenever he shows up, there's new stuff of there's new stuff and nonsense. But every time fucking Paxson shows up, it's just like. She is she honestly she has the Carla problem where she doesn't know how to escalate. Yeah. She does one thing no, the and then same... she just reminds you she's done the thing.
0: Exactly. They write the characters basically the same way. They don't know what to do with this character. And like mm-hmm. this and Carla and Paxson, it's like the same character except like
1: uh, for different sides.
0: Di- yeah, different sides and Carla's a bit more likely to kill someone. But like yeah. Not really.
1: And also Carla is uh, played by an actress who knows what to do with this sort of material, which is her best.
0: Her best. (laughs) Back at the apartment, Sam draws a fake tattoo on Michael's arm with a pen in order to make him look like a crime guy.
1: But in like a Uh, really sensual way, like they're holding hands and very close and they're like admiring the art together. And it's very sweet.
0: It's very sweet. It's a very sweet episode. Um, it seems like that could smudge at like an inopportune time, but whatever.
1: Yeah. That's what I was saying. I was actually, when I saw that, I was like, Ooh, is this going to be the moment where like, it's going to smudge at like a, a, at the climax of like a mission that he's doing. And they're like, Hey, that, that thing is fake.
0: Yeah. But no, apparently it's fine. I mean, I wouldn't know. I never used to be a spy. Uh, Sam also tells us that, uh, this Tommy guy, he looked into him and he's a two bit loser who likes to bet on the racetrack, bet at the racetrack. He's just kind of, he's not up to a lot, Tommy. So uh, Michael shows up at the racetrack to meet Tommy as Milo, a crime guy who just got out of prison and has heard stories about how cool and awesome Tommy is. And Michael asks Tommy for help in a way that's almost worshipful. (laughs) He says that he's got this small crew of his own and he's looking to expand but he needs the help of someone cool and smart like Tommy. And Milo is so fucking sincere.
1: He's so sincere. I wanted to give him a hug this whole scene. But also the next like two scenes are some of my favorites of Burn Notice because I love it when Michael has to pretend like he's less competent than the guy he's scamming and we get to like watch him like do you mean this? <laughs> but he says it in his exactly. little sincere Milo way, and it's so cute. Oh, I love yeah, it. Yeah,
0: exactly. There's this great moment, because, like, he keeps calling... I forgot what his last name is. It's like... De- I don't, does DeToni he tell us his last name? Yeah, yeah. No, because in the scene, Michael, is Milo, keeps calling him, like, Mr. DeTonia or something. <laughs> and, like, Tommy's like, and you can call me Tommy. And there's this bit towards the end of the scene where he's like, yeah, sure. Uh, thank you, Mr. Deton. I mean, uh, Tommy. Like... <laughs> And Jeffrey Donovan kills it. This is one yeah, of my favorite I'm, Jeffrey Donovan performances in a while.
1: Well, I mean, last week he gave us some really fun stuff, too, with the drunk guy. Like, I feel like Jeffrey Donovan d- enjoys when he has a good writer. Like, Jeffrey Donovan is at his most interesting when he gets to play around, When it when he gets to play with a villain that isn't just like, you're a bad guy and I hate you. Like, when he actually gets to have a little bit of fun while he solves the case.
0: Yeah, exactly, and it's so funny, like how like worshipful like Milo is. He's so earnest, and it's great. And so Tommy tells him to bring around his crew for dinner.
1: Oh, the dinner scene! The dinner scene is one of my favorites of the entire. Oh, episode. this is great. This is so. It's uh, so funny because they're all this. they they're they're all playing the same version of the of the Milo scumbag, and I love it. Yeah, it's
0: yeah. We'll get to the dinner scene, but yeah. But first, at Madeline, we gotta go to Madeline's real quick. Oh right, Sam yeah, still she- lives there. <laughs> And at Madeline's, Sam is having a hard time justifying his expenses to Stacy, And it's turning out like he owes... He's definitely owing the IRS money. There's a weird thing... I don't, I'm gonna come clean. I don't know anything about taxes.
1: I know a lot more than I used to because I owed $3,000 this year. So I feel Sam's pain.
0: Yeah. And, but, like... Apparently, there's a certain amount of money that he owes. Like, if he owes 25% or something... Then that triggers something, basically. It's a weird way to give it like a ticking clock or not a ticking clock, but like there's a certain amount where once it crosses this threshold, it will be a problem. But there's this really it's this really fun scene where like Michael, uh where Sam is trying to explain all of his exp- expenses, all of his drinking expenses. There's a fun bit where Sam has to imply without directly saying that he stole a dead man's gun. (laughs) And Stacy's like, I forgot exactly what he says. So we'll we'll chalk that up to, like, windfall. (laughs) And then Madeline shows up with her cookies that she's baked. And... Uh Madeline offers Stacy a cookie, but Stacy is a nerd, so he is allergic to so many things. But Sam eats one, but it is bad. <laughs> it is capital B bad.
1: Oh man, I love that. They girl. look fine. I mean they look they fine, look good. but looks they look can like be deceiving. Looks can be deceiving.
0: This is true. Also, Sam is like comically wiping sweat from his brow this entire scene.
1: <laughs> He's so nervous.
0: He's so nervous, and he's at the end of the scene. He's like, "I have a headache in my eye." It's a really good line, and there's a little bit of cute Sam, uh, Sam and Madeline stuff. Not enough, though.
1: Yeah, no, not not what we deserve, but not enough what for we now.
0: deserve, but enough for now. Yes. So now we get the dinner scene where. Yes, um, my favorite, Michael. Michael, Sam, and Fee meet Tommy for dinner and just butter him up. Um, Michael keeps doing his crime voice while Fee does this gangster girlfriend voice, and Sam talks like Bruce Campbell.
1: <laughs> but he's they, he's introduces Chuck, right? He's he's he's, he's Chuck. Like, yeah, girl, Chuck. Fee is um, Brianna. Yes, and, and I I was I love that too because she's me. She's me. Yeah, that's I'm true. Brianna. I didn't think about that. You didn't think about the co host of the podcast about Burnos that you do is also named Brianna.
0: Well, I've never not once called you Brianna.
1: That's true. It would be weird if you did. I honestly hearing you say my name just now made me feel deeply uncomfortable. But yeah, I love yeah. I love that they're all just like drenched in like cheap gold bling and they all have the same voice and they're all such dirt bags and there's like a little back and forth where like tommy is looking around the table like oh man maybe i shouldn't have offered to pay for dinner but like i like that these guys like me and he's like so you can order anything but the lobster and fiona's like ew lobster it looks like a Lobsters bug Lobsters a
0: gross it's so good
1: it looks like a bug and then michael's like hey brianna don't call don't talk about books at the table what i tell you this is a nice place he's a classy guy don't talk about books it's like, <laughs>
0: it's like an SNL sketch.
1: It is. It's so funny. I had to keep pausing the episode because I was like, I couldn't contain myself. I couldn't pay attention to what was happening because I was laughing too hard.
0: It's so good. I love and like so much. the whole time Tommy is like trying to show what like a big man he is <laughs> and how much he knows. And like they're playing these characters and it's, it's so good.
1: It's so good.
0: Um, it's just, yeah, I don't have anything else to say about it other than it's great. Like, I just, it's so much fun. Um, but yes, so Michael asked if they could work with Tommy on one of his robberies. Because, yeah, I um, they're, they kind of trade resumes of, like, this is what I've done. These are the crimes that I've done. <laughs> um. Milo's crime, their whole scheme, according to Michael, is they test drive cars and then just run away with them.
1: <laughs> oh, such simple times.
0: Which, yeah, still delightfully low rent. Uh, and so Michael asked if they could work with Tommy on one of his robberies. And Tommy says, like, maybe you could do the big stuff, but I'm going to give you a little try out first, basically. Like, you got to meet me tonight at a dry cleaner. And so they meet up with Tommy outside of a dry cleaner. And Tommy explains they're going to rob the dry cleaner. And then Tommy lays out his plan for robbing the dry cleaner, which is just delightfully simple and naive.
1: And they're like, oh, man, we're, we're so glad that we found you. Such a big, strong man going to teach us the, the how to do it in the big city of Miami. How
0: to do big crimes. And, like, yeah, there's that one bit that you talk about where Tommy hands Fee, like, a can of spray paint. He's like, you're going to spray paint the security camera. And then um, Michael has to be like, you mean, like, cut the wire to the security camera? It's like, oh, yeah, that. Yeah, no, that's a thing you should do. <laughs> there's Yeah, there's so many, like...
1: Just little moments like, hey, did you, did Tommy, did you mean this? And Tommy goes, yeah, I did mean that. I did that. mean that. You're paying attention. Good.
0: Um, Yeah. And they're literally just going to like, yeah. And Sam's job is to throw a rock at like a light so that the guy comes out and that they can run in and steal it. Like it's it's so like charmingly, again, low rent.
1: It really is.
0: There's a very important moment early on where Tommy pulls out a gun. Like, Michael's like, oh, we're going to shoot people? And Miles like, no, no, it's not loaded. That's just to scare people. Because I, I remember up to that point, I was wondering how they were going to go. And then when, my, when Tommy was like, no, I, it's not, I'm not going to shoot people. I was like, okay, I get, I'll I get, get who Tommy. this person is a little bit. Yeah, yeah.
1: exactly. And, like, yeah, like uh, the, the way that they treat him is subtly different than, like, we have seen prior. But I do think that there is an important – like, it's just – he's not a clown, you know? And the show isn't like, look at this clown clowning around. It's like, look at this guy. He's just not very good at his job.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, again, he's definitely a joke.
1: Mm-hmm. But, but But he's there's not, a like, just mind. a joke. And I think yeah.
0: a lot of what makes this episode work is making you think that it works like other episodes of Burn Notice work.
1: Mm-hmm. I think like, like these
0: are characters. Both Tommy and Stacy are characters that, in a Barrios episode, would be exactly as lame as they appear.
1: Mm-hmm. And they would both go down equally.
0: In an O'Neill episode, these like characters would be as, exactly as dumb as they appear, and the joke would be like how criminals or nerdy. crime
1: doesn't pay kids
0: yeah or like how nerdy stacy is and like how none of these guys are the kind of masculinity that like sam and michael are mhm
1: you know the but good that is not kind the brick this episode brand does. no you're yes. right that's a that's a good way of, of thinking about it
0: but yeah so if they rob this fucking dry cleaner like <laughs> michael has to do all the work but make it seem like tommy's in charge and it's all just is very fun.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And like, but Tommy is suitably impressed though. Tommy's like, oh, Yo, you, it's like, you got something kid.
1: <laughs> you got a real future for yourself.
0: Yeah. So the next day, Paxson shows up at the apartment to let Michael know that she's like using forensics to run stuff from various crime scenes that she thinks that he might be connected to. And she can run this forensics and that she's liable to find something that'll connect him to a crime scene. And she also lets them know that she knows about the dry cleaning robbery and that someone stole, like, a getaway car, like, a silver Impala during it, which is what Fee stole during that crime. Right. And she's basically letting Michael and the audience know there's a ticking clock now. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. Like, they need to do this Matheson stuff before she can run all of this forensics. Mm Mm-hmm. So, so like, they need to speed things up. So Michael injures himself for the second time in as many weeks while giving us the exact same spy tip that we got last week about oh, was injuring it the same yourself. Uh. <laughs> like, injuring yourself to sell a bit. Like, it's like, it's, I swear, it's like almost the same wording. It's like, sometimes but you gotta hurt yourself way- to sell the thing.
1: Right, but this time it was more fun because we got to watch him slam his face into a metal door and it was, like, the most slapstick bullshit I've ever seen and I was obsessed.
0: It was great. But, like, literally it's the exact same tip and I, like, I I'm not even see, including that tip because <laughs> we said yes to it last week.
1: Yeah, yes to the yes.
0: Like, it's not a problem. It's just, like, some coordination <laughs> would be good. You're running a television show here.
1: (laughs) Well, we know who's running. Yeah,
0: he slams himself with a fucking locker to give himself a black eye. It's really good. like a cut around his eye. And -hmm. he goes to Tommy and says that even though that working for Tommy has been a dream come true.
1: (laughs) The great Tommy.
0: He has to leave town because he owes some money to some guys and they're after him. But Tommy takes pity on him and says that he's going to help him out by introducing Ma- introducing him to Matheson. He's going to get him some money um, to help him out. Because he really wants to genuinely help Milo. Like, he likes Milo. And he tells Michael this story about how he went to the track one time. And he saw this dog. And the dog had a lot of fight. it was 100 to 1 odds on this dog. But the dog had a lot of spunk. And so... Like, he bet on the dog, and he figures if this dog wins, I get a nice car or whatever. And Michael's like, and did the dog win? It's like, the dog broke his leg at the game. (laughs) And he says, like, sometimes you got to wait for the door to open. He also mentions that he adopted the dog.
1: And it pays off in the most delightful way, and I don't even want to get ahead of ourselves. But, like, already I'm like, I think I'm in love with Tommy.
0: Tommy is so sweet. He, like, literally, he bet on the dog. He liked the dog. He adopted the dog because the dog can't race anymore.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, like, the dog lost him money. And, like, in in a Barrios episode, it'd be like, yeah, so, you know, fuck dogs or whatever. But this guy's like, but now that he can't race, they were just going to shoot him. A perfectly good dog. So I adopted him. So he's got a little bit of a limp. That's okay. He's still my best friend.
0: (laughs) It's so sweet.
1: It's so wholesome.
0: It's the most wholesome. And I adore it. Um... Speaking of hustle. So, we go from this back to Madeline's, um, where Stacy is going through Sam's records, um, disallowing deductions left and right. And then he pauses while looking at a baseball card that Sam just has with his stuff. And then there's a genuinely wild plot twist. <laughs>
1: I know. I was not. I did not see this coming. I know I've seen this not, episode I, before, but like, it's been literally eight years. Never
0: in a million years. <laughs> Would I have seen this coming? <laughs> <laughs> Sam realizes that he knew Stacy when Stacy was a kid because Sam dated Stacy's mother.
1: Stacy's mom's got it going on.
0: <laughs> Apparently. And Stacy remembers him when he was a kid and like thought that Sam really liked him. Cause they like hung out. And that, like, Sam had basically abandoned him. And so, like, now Stacy's like, mad because, like, this cool father figure left him.
1: I would, I, this if, is if, you, if you had wild. asked me at the beginning of the episode what was going to be the culmination of this plot line, that was not going to be my guess.
0: Never. It's wild. It's ridiculous. But the actor playing Stacy, who I like, PJ Byrne, sells it. I literally, like, I think this is one of the best performances I've ever seen on a Burn Notice. Because he has to do an insane thing.
1: <laughs> it's true. And, the- you know, it really goes to show, the last two episodes, it really goes to show, like, Burn Notice is a cheesy television show, but good performers and, a good ri- and good writing can get this show to a level it could never even dream of.
0: Yeah, like, and again, this is a wild thing. This is, like, crazy moment. Where like cause Sam's like, wait a minute, I know you. You were the kid and like Stacy's denying it. And like also has this fun little run where he names all of these men named Stacy.
1: <laughs> it's not that common of a name.
0: Yeah, and like like he's clearly done this a lot. Because <laughs> <laughs> he has that list at the ready. And like sort of denying, like, no, I'm not that kid. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. That sounds like someone else, yada yada. And it's like, and then Sam's like, I used to push you on the bike and it's like and then like he's like, and then I used to call and you call me evil can evil.
1: <laughs> it was
0: so like, sweet. It's so sweet. I like I like had to pause because I thought this is wild. But also like I got emotional thinking about it.
1: Right? This whole time we've been recording the episode, every every time we get to a moment that's sweet, like the adopted dog with the broken leg, or the, and you call me Eva Knievel, or like the end of the episode, I'm like, or that one spy tip. It's not even a spy tip, it's just a remark, and it it just fucking kills you. It's like,
0: I I am beside myself. I was like, moved by it.
1: Yes. It's very, it's a very moving episode. genuine. It's a forty five minute episode. We've never met any of these characters. That actor
0: has done a lot of stuff. I Tommy I recognize too. Like
1: Uh, both of them. I recognize Tommy a little bit. I recognize Matheson more. Matheson has been in a bunch of stuff. He's like a cop usually though, not a bad guy. Yeah, he's
0: usually a cop. Like I recognize like all of these guys do a lot of work.
1: Right, but what I meant was like we've never seen them on burn notice before. Like none of these are recurring characters. No, no. Horowitz managed to make us care so deeply about these random, like, criminals and random IRS auditor in 45 minutes. Like, this is unheard of. I'm so impressed. And
0: it's the way that this actor, like, sells this thing. And again, it's really broad, but, like, he makes it just human enough. Like, there's a real humanity to his performances. this character, especially in this scene.
1: Right, like, yeah, because there's so there's a important. version there's of this so is much... just like a sad sack of a man whose father figure abandoned him. But like this doesn't play it like that. He plays it no. like I thought. You know, you were important to me. You were someone who you were my mentor. You were my pal, and you just left.
0: Yeah, and Sam's like, well, your mom didn't want me around.
1: <laughs> Which now that you've looked at my books, I bet you could probably figure out why.
0: <laughs> yeah, but yeah, and also, and like Bruce Campbell too, like. He seems so touched. Like at the end of the scene, like Madeline's like, looks like you, like made an impression on him, and it's like, I guess I did. Like, it's such a like human heartwarming. This is such a human episode.
1: This is like written by one of the only writers that I think is a human.
0: Yes, it's it's wild. Anyway, I gotta move on. So Michael, Sam, and Fee meet up with Tommy and swap out his cigarette pack with one that has a bug in it. Normally, I'd like complain that he might notice that there's a different number of cigarettes in his. Like, I was pack thinking than there that was too. Before. But like Tommy's an idiot.
1: <laughs> yeah, Tommy's not gonna count. I like I yeah. I had that thought too, where I was like, well, I bet he's probably the kind of guy who would like look in and be like, oh man, it's like when you find twenty dollars in your pocket. It's like yeah, oh, exactly. There's there's extra there's,
0: cigarettes. Well, say, I had the same thought. He be like, oh man, free cigarette.
1: <laughs> God, Chris, it's like scary how similar we are. <laughs> like.
0: Like, we're definitely the same person when reacting to this episode. <laughs> yeah, they give him, they put a bug on him, and then they all go to meet Matheson. And Matheson is not a moron. So he is immediately asp- suspicious when Tommy introduces him to his new crew. <laughs> yeah, which is like, Tommy's like, these are my guys. I got a crew now.
1: And that that moment actually made me a little emotional, too, because, like, they were, like, uh, Milo has been playing at, like, Tommy's this big deal and Tommy's got all this going on. But Tommy needed them to make his first crew. Tommy needed them as much as they needed him. That's so cute.
0: Yeah. But, like, so Matheson is suspicious. He thinks that Bruce Campbell looks like a cop because Bruce Campbell looks like a cop. (laughs) Like, that's just there. But, um... He's willing to buy it because Tommy's like, no, we robbed the dry cleaner. It was legit. This guy's got ideas. This is a smart cookie, this Milo. I, I my think boy.
1: My, my under boy. my
0: that she could be big. <laughs> <laughs> so once the oh. introduction has been made, Tommy sends them away so he can have a conversation with Matheson. Yes. Um, One thing that we Mike... forgot to
1: mention, did we mention that they sent the money they stole from the dry cleaner back? They, like, mailed the money back to him?
0: No, but who cares?
1: Well, you know, they're trying to go the straight and narrow for their new friend, Detective yeah. What's Whatserbutt.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And it was a good detail. Like, that's a, that's a, because, like, in an an O'Neill episode, that would have probably just been dropped. But, like, in this episode, they're like, oh, wait, they just stole a fuck ton of money from someone. Like, what are they going to do with it? Just say, like, oh, collateral damage. We had to do it for this job. But, like, Horowitz was like, no, I need to, I need to wrap this up. I need to, like, what would they do with the money?
0: There is an attention to detail. An attention to detail is all
1: that I'm fucking asking for. Burn notice.
0: Yeah. But yeah, Anyways, so Michael listen. and Co. listen in on Tommy and Matheson discussing this big job that they're going to do. And what they're going to do is they're going to rob a meth lab. And like with Tommy driving the van and his crew providing security. But Tommy's like, I don't know if I It's like, is there going to be machine guns? Like, what are they going to get? Like, Tommy's kind of worried about this. Mm-hmm. And in the conversation, he's just like, are you sh-? he's basically like, are you sure that's going to be safe? and Matheson's like it's fine and so Tommy meets with Michael and then Tommy says that there's no job Michael who knows there's a job it's like well what are you what are you talking about and then Tommy explains that Matheson was gonna get like Michael and his crew killed and he wants no part of that because really he's not a bad guy and like he doesn't he cares so much about Milo and Brianna and Chuck <laughs> <laughs> that like He doesn't want them to get hurt. And he knows that if they go on this robbery, they're probably going to get killed.
1: And this is the moment. This this is the spy tip that broke me. And it's not even a spy tip. It's just one of the, like, voiceovers. But the voiceover is something like, you know, sometimes people surprise you. Like, you can plan all you want for a job and all that stuff. But sometimes people surprise you. And sometimes you surprise yourself. And I was like, Tommy's surprised that Tommy's just a good guy. But what's ah.
0: fascinating about this is that like it's not that different from the voiceover from like episode two about the guy that has ice in his fans. <laughs> but like that guy is like not a character.
1: Exactly, that like weird I Ed love Norton Tommy. motherfucker
0: who's just like nothing but like a random decent guy. Like that guy was nothing. Whereas like Tommy's a character.
1: Is a character that I love who adopted a dog that limps, oh. and also like I and, and this is this doesn't come up until like a couple minutes later, but like it turns out, it, or maybe it happens in this interaction. I don't fully remember. Uh, Michael's like, you know, if you show up to that job without us, they're gonna kill you, right? And he's like, yeah, he says yeah, that, man. In the scene. He says, I know.
0: like, no, like, yeah, yeah, but that, yeah, no, and that's Tommy's- even
1: more sweet. It's not just that he's like protecting them, like, hey, man, there's not a job, get out of here, you know, but like. The added thing that he was like, "Well, I got to show up," and he knows he's gonna die, but he's willing yeah. to do it to protect his new friends.
0: His <sighs> new friends. Um, it's entirely possible that Tommy hadn't thought that part through.
1: No, I think he had because they, they, he, he said like the way that he responds because Michael's like, "You know, they're gonna kill you, right?" And he goes, "Yeah, I know." Like he says it in like yeah. a very resigned tone. Like resigned, he definitely right, yeah. knows.
0: Yeah, exactly. He doesn't. Yeah, he just wants to. Do it. Um, but yeah, and Michael is so moved by this that he reveals that, like, the whole scheme that, like, he's trying to take Matheson down and he needs Tommy's help. He reintroduces Tommy to, like, Fee and Sam instead of Brianna and Chuck. (laughs) And, like, now Michael lets the guard down and becomes Michael again. And says that there's, like, okay... You need to get the van and find out where the the robbery is going to be so that we can prepare. And he does this. I will say, I love this episode. I think this this is, like, legit one of my favorite episodes of Burnout that I've ever seen. I think it's great. Me too. This ending is kind of weak.
1: Yeah. The climax
0: itself is fine. It's, like, basically, they show up at this, like, meth lab. And Matheson and his particular goons go in, like, break in to, like, steal all the meth. And once they go in, an alarm is going to go off and Fee and Michael and Sam just have to, like, get in a firefight with, like, the meth dealers while...
1: To keep them at bay.
0: Keep them at bay while they try to, like, steal all the meth. And... But luckily, Fee has prepared the area, so there's just explosions yeah. everywhere.
1: It's it's Fee's perfect storm. This is this is what exactly. she does. Is she plants explosives.
0: Exactly. She's planting explosives everywhere. Um... And they trap Matheson and his goons in the meth lab by, like, super gluing the door closed on one end and then also putting a a dumpster in front of it. And then on the other hand, on the other back door, Tommy parks the van in front of the door so that, um, like, Matheson can't get out. So he's trapped. There's this moment that Michael and Tommy have where they share a glance because, like, Tommy's driving the van and Michael's shooting guys, and they share a look, and they're like, yeah, we're doing this. And it's really <laughs> sweet. And Tommy's so proud.
1: Well, he's doing the right thing for once. This, you yeah. know what? I bet it felt as good as adopting that dog, and that's the moment he connects it to, oh, the reason I feel good is because I'm doing good.
0: Yeah. So Mathes- Matheson and his guys get trapped in the meth lab, and then, and then Sam calls the cops. And they get away clean. So then Paxson arrives and arrests Matheson and says some law and order shit at him. And then one of the cops that's working with her says that they found another getaway car. And it's the one that Fee stole when they robbed that dry cleaner. And in the trunk, a single block of C4.
1: Yeah, because I think she, we, I don't think we specified earlier, but the thing that she's using her CSI bullshit on is like that she's, she's been able to connect the C4, like the type of C4 from a bunch of different robberies or like the same strain of C4 or whatever the hell. And, yeah, uh, and like,
0: like detonators. And like you can, like, learn stuff from detonators and all this nonsense. So then we have this scene with Michael and Tommy (laughs) where Michael tells Tommy. That, like, he needs to get out of town and go straight. And Tommy's like, yeah, I'm going to go straight. I'm going to go, like, live with my with my mom and, like, somewhere else. I forget where. Um, And, like, Tommy thanks Michael for having his back.
1: No, not and just that. So He's st- not just going to go live with his mom. He's going to go open a kennel.
0: That's right. With him and his limping dog. He brings out the dog. He brings out this greyhound that he had topped. He's like, here, I want you to meet the dog.
1: I just, I lost it. And it's it.
0: adorable.
1: It's so fucking cute.
0: It's so cute. There's actually a dog on screen. It's like, that's attention to detail.
1: Yes.
0: That's like someone saying, we need to see the dog. <laughs> if you set up a dog in Aft 1. <laughs>
1: Check they off have dog. to go
0: off and act. <laughs> uh, it's like easy. It's manipulative. But if you just put a dog on the screen, we're gonna be happy.
1: Mm-hmm. It's true. Pro tip for all the TV writers listening: like, how do we make Brie and Chris happy?
0: Give us puppy. Just put a dog. It kind of reminds me a little bit on Broadway. Um, one of uh, one of my shows, on my our friend Andrew's favorite shows, is Curio- Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's a show that had a lot of, like, effects. That was a very kind of effects-heavy show with lots of things going on. And, like, it's a spectacle. It's a spectacle show. But, like, the thing that gets the biggest reaction every night on that show was they brought out a real live puppy. And, like, the entire audience would just, oh puppy. (laughs) It's the same thing. You just bring out a dog. It's like, oh, It's so sweet. And Tommy says that he thinks that Michael's going to be okay without him.
1: <clears throat> such a good button. Honestly, such a Tommy moment. I'm i am in love with him. I love Tommy. Right. I He's hope great. he comes back and we, like, see him a couple years later and, like, he uses his, like, new dog kennel to help them solve a case or something.
0: Yeah, that would be delightful. So uh, Paxson meets with Michael and says that she's closed her biggest case. But she found some C4 at the scene that had been tied to several other explosions in Miami. And Michael says, I guess you can close the book on those cases, too. Unless you want to risk unraveling the case that you've just closed, that you've been working on for, like, eight months. Which is clever. I think it's smart. Mm-hmm. He then reiterates that they're on the same side. And that um, this is proof.
1: Yeah. Their methods and, might differ. But, like, you know, he's a yeah. good guy, like Tommy is.
0: Yeah. And so she takes the tail off. She waves away the tail and turns from a law and order cop to a law and order judge by basically telling him, I'll allow it, but watch yourself, mister.
1: <laughs>
0: and that seems like it's probably the end. Yeah, what, didn't we see like that might she was show only up in? A, again.
1: I don't think she will. I think she was only in like three episodes.
0: Yeah, that is the end of this plot line. Not a great plot line.
1: No, really not. Like, they they didn't go far enough with it. They didn't. The show has a hard time of, like, truly escalating it because, like, I think they're so worried about blowing their load too early that they wait too long. And then it doesn't have any emotional resonance because it hasn't been built up.
0: They're also just afraid of messing with their premise. They can't have they can't have these bad guys do too much to Michael because Michael still has to have cases every week.
1: That's true. Yeah, this is her last episode. She was only in it for three episodes.
0: Yeah, so that's the end of that.
1: Yeah, and it's and too bad because that scene. concept makes sense. Like we've been waiting for this. for Yeah, I've been waiting for seasons. that for so
0: long, and I'm really disappointed that they did it this way.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's and it's not the end. Like it's possible that they could do this again, but with like a someone who's better at this. But like, <laughs> yeah, it is kind of sad that they finally did this plot line, and it wasn't very good. So then we get a scene with Sam and Stacy where Sam teaches Stacy how to drink properly.
1: Oh yeah, like did we off, talk about that that like the when they first met Stacy, Stacy's like, "Oh, I don't drink alcohol."
0: Oh yeah, I I kind of forgot that that happened.
1: <laughs> but that this is once again, I, I think it's just worth mentioning because it's Michael Horowitz's attention to detail that, like the yeah. first time we, one of the seduction materials that Sam has prepared for Stacy when he thought that Stacy was a girl was he he had ordered some like fancy pink cosmos for them, and so the actual Stacy's response is like, "Oh, are those for me? I don't drink alcohol," and so like it, this pays off by like Sam yeah. teaching him like the drinks that he's gonna like.
0: Exactly, and how to drink, and like, it is interesting that it's like, hey, you're gonna get into alcoholism now,
1: <laughs> but like,
0: but it's still cute. Um, yeah, he says he starts them off with a fuzzy navel, but like, yeah, they've got all this alcohol on the table,
1: just like trying and it each out.
0: Exactly, it's really great. Did um, you? Are, are
1: you gonna recap the sweetest part of this scene?
0: I'm getting that. Uh, well, like
1: it's not in your notes and it's making me nervous
0: but yeah stacy admits that he was just auditing sam because he was so mad at him but now they're like friends in this weird ersatz father son kind of way they're talking about drinking and
1: stacy yeah
0: stacy sorry it's really cute it's so cute i'm just like my brain is fine. is saying hey if i'm having trouble at a bar getting the bartender's attention and i need information about a drink can i call you <laughs> And so I was like, yeah, yeah, you can call me.
1: That's so cute. <laughs> it's adorable. It's so cute. It's also very relatable because I'm someone who did not experiment with alcohol at all until I was legally allowed to. So I was incredibly behind. And I don't know what I like to drink. Like, I don't like a yeah. lot of liquor. And so I need someone to be like, hey, w- will I like this drink? Can you tell me about it? What does it taste like? And like... That was, like, so specific and relatable and so sweet to, like, have reconnected with your father figure after all of this time and find a thing to connect with and say, like, hey, can we stay in touch? Like, that's him, like, holding out his hand, like, hey, we don't have a lot, but this might be something that we can start that with. That we can
0: have. Yeah. Ugh. And it's it's so sweet. And the important thing is that Sam did get to be Stacy's daddy. <laughs> it's not the way that he intended at the beginning of the episode.
1: Gross. How are you ruining this moment, Chris? It's too sweet to ruin.
0: It's so sweet. It's so great. I love it. I love everything about it.
1: Yeah, me too. And I'm finally, fully on board.
0: Yes. And finally, Michael and Fee get their date. And again, they spend it doing the only thing that they do, arguing about the fact that Michael still really wants his job back even though he really shouldn't. Except this time, they're, like, acting really hard. (laughs) They're, like, really acting in this scene. It's good. I don't think it's bad. I like their performances a lot. But, like, normally they kind of do this argument while they're, like, doing other things or whatever. But the fact that they're sitting at a table just talking means that they can really kind of sink their teeth into it. And Jeffrey Donovan's doing a lot of, like... It's like, this is my time.
1: <laughs> this is
0: over. Like, you know? Yeah. And uh, Gabrielle Anwar is doing a lot of, like, not quite crying. But, like, you know, I'm so sick of this scene because I've seen it so many times. Yeah. But it's the best version of it that I've seen.
1: I mean, as it as with a lot of Michael Horowitz scenes, like, the things that he does are reminiscent. Like, he, he knows what show he's on, but he's just doing the best version of it. And so every time that he does a repeated moment or scene that we've seen before, it's done, but more artfully. It's, it's Burn I do Notice also Pro.
0: like that this is the beat that the episode ends on. Like, it doesn't end with voiceover. It doesn't end with, like, plot twist. It ends on this beat. And I think on this kind of, like, human sort of conversation. I really enjoy that. Again, this is... This is the- The most human episode of Burn Notice.
1: Yeah, this is an episode about relationships and about people being good to one another. This is the what we owe to each other episode of Burn Notice.
0: It really is. And that's the episode. And that's the episode. Let's talk about some spy tips. Finding a way into a criminal organization is about observing social dynamics. You start with a target. You're looking for just the right person to approach. People in the inner circle are usually too tough to go after. Anyone with real power is bound to be cautious. Drivers and bodyguards are easier, but they usually don't have real access. You want someone with enough juice to be hungry for more. Someone desperate to make a move. In short, you're looking for a frustrated middle manager.
1: Yeah, I like this. And I like that he bra- He doesn't just say, like, you're looking for a middle manager. He, like, breaks it down by, these are the people that you're probably going to want to no, look I'm at. Not. And they're good for these things, but.
0: Yeah. No, I like this too. The lock on a cash register drawer is designed to keep it from pulling open. Whack it hard enough the other way, though, and it breaks.
1: Yeah, that seems smart. Nice, concise, Yeah, I'm going go to do <laughs> I'm gonna go do that later. I'm going to go hit up a laundromat and fuck them up.
0: Yeah. Lots of things have cash registers.
1: Ooh, hot tip from Chris Cherry.
0: Yeah. One thing that lots of uh, things don't have is a dry cleaning rack, <laughs> which the next tip centers around. When a padlock's... Held on a door frame by three-inch wood screws, it's no match for a dry-cleaning rack that can move 30,000 pounds of clothes.
1: So obviously this specific circumstance is likely not to come up very often, but I do like the use of the dry... I would not have thought that a dry-cleaning rack could, like, would be that strong. But it also, like, as he said it, I was like, actually, no, that totally makes sense because clothing is, like, heavy, especially when it's, like, when it's drying... Of course it would be really strong. This is really smart. If I ever find myself in a fight at a laundromat, maybe I'll think about it.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. It's a challenge to place a bug on someone's body without them noticing. It helps if they always carry something you can reproduce. A phone, a watch, or a pack of cigarettes. Then it's just a matter of planning it on them and hope they keep ignoring the Surgeon General until you get what you need.
1: Yeah, I think this is good. I Because I, I, I like yeah. that they list out a couple of things. Like the things that... Someone is likely to keep on them that would be easy to find like a copy of.
0: And last one. This is the make or break tip. Super glue is cheap, quiet and powerful. Lay it on thick and force dry it with canned air and you can cut bonding time to less than a minute.
1: I hope this is true because that would be useful for like hobby things or for like home repairs.
0: Yeah, I feel good about that.
1: Yeah, I do too. That's five five tips.
0: So that passes that.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. So let's get to rating the episode. Oh, really quickly. Did you notice any yogurts in this episode?
0: I do not remember a yogurt.
1: I I don't think they spent enough time in the loft. No. I think they were like, there was like one scene in the loft. I don't think there were ever.
0: Yeah, no, they didn't. And they were not. Yeah, they were too busy tattooing.
1: (laughs) Oh, but the tattooing scene, we didn't even talk about the fact that like Fiona walks in and she's like, ooh. Ooh. I leave you boys alone for one minute and they like slowly look down at what they're doing, look up at each other, smile sheepishly while looking deeply into each other's eyes and then look back at Fiona. Do not break their like pose like they stay holding each other's hand while smiling at Fiona. And it's like I love that because usually Burn Notice would like have them like go toxic masculine with it and be like, oh, don't touch me, bro. No homo. But like in a Michael Horowitz episode, it's like, hey, listen. We're two men, and we're masculine enough to say that we love each other, and this is (laughs) self-care. Drawing a prison tattoo on your buddy's arm, that's self-care, man.
0: All right. So we have enough uh, practical spy
1: tips. We do.
0: Do they win with spycraft over violence?
1: I think so. I think there's enough tomfoolery.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah, there's definitely... And just, like, the fact that they're manipulating this guy, and, like, it's all... Doing these characters and everything mm-hmm. is all good. They there's def, there's spycraft. Is there a good alias? Milo.
1: Oh hell everyone's yeah. got an alias. Yeah. And we see Chuck Finley, which we always love.
0: Yeah. But yeah, I just love sincere Milo. <laughs> just that like wide eyed, like, sure thing, boss. <laughs> God, you sure know your stuff.
1: Someday it's I hope so to grow out to be as big and strong as you.
0: Love it. And are Fee and Sam used well? Yes. Hundred percent
1: yes. Yeah, they're you like and you a well little bit in, like, less unique. to do. Yeah, but she gets to be Brianna in that one scene, which but is she gets very Brianna, funny.
0: the gangster mall. She gets to blow stuff up and like I, I like their scene at the end. And yeah. like their relationship stuff is actually kinda good this week.
1: Yeah, it's, it's like, coming from a place that makes sense instead of just like, all right, we need to remember that Fiona's mad about the thing, and yeah. like it doesn't feel shallow. And of course,
0: Sam, Sam gets a boy.
1: Sam gets a boy. <laughs> Sam and his boy. It's,
0: it's great. It's so this great. is a great episode of Burn Notice.
1: It is a great episode of Burn Notice.
0: Is it a great episode of television? Yeah, of course, it's a great episode.
1: Of television. Yeah, it's it's wholesome. It's sweet. It's just it. Like I'm just I'm so impressed by Michael Horowitz. By turning an episode of Burn Otis at 30, 45 minutes, maybe, no, not even for 42 minutes of television in a show that does not set itself up for success in, when it comes to, like, emotional beats and manages to make us fall in love with a two-bit criminal who loves watching dog racing. Like, yeah. it's so impressive. And a weird IRS agent named Stacy. Yeah, and a
0: weird IRS agent. Like, it's so, that's the other thing, is that, like, both these plots are thematically similar. Mm -hmm. Like, there's this sense of, like, giving both of these kind of jokey characters humanity and, like, realizing so there's, like, a parallel and, like, that's just good writing.
1: It's amazing what happens when the show has good writing on it.
0: Like, yeah, it's just, it's so, like, it's so nice. I felt very good watching this.
1: Yeah, hot take. I wish more episodes were like this. Hot take. I wish more episodes of Burn Notice were written by writers.
0: Yeah, and they don't always have to be this sweet.
1: No, that yeah, that's certainly not no. what I'm saying. I don't think this show needs yeah, know, to go I into melodrama. But like,
0: I just want to clarify, it's not just because it's so warm and fuzzy, although although that is nice. It's but, like, like I just, yeah. what
1: what I like it is like the reason that it's warm and fuzzy is because it was a well like woven episode. It was just a it was well paced. It was. Like like you said, it allowed kind of jokey characters to have humanity. And it doesn't need to be sweet. It didn't just allow it. Ha- it
0: was about that. Yeah, that's true. Like, yeah, it wasn't like a thing about how, like, oh, is this a silly character, but they get a moment. Like, it's about silly characters having moments. It's about, like, people having depth and, like,
1: playing with expectations. Finding the
0: humanity and, like, these kind of like people that seem kind of silly at first and like and they're they're really like good people with feelings and have things and like have needs and like care about people and it's just really
1: sweet it was it was exactly what i needed this first weekend of like probably a pretty long period of quarantine yes this is a really um, satisfying week of episodes. The last week and this week it was. so satisfying. Yeah.
0: So satisfying. Like, yeah, like yeah, it made me feel better about season three.
1: Yeah, for sure. Cause yeah, I remember, you know, last the last time we recorded, we were kinda worried. You were when after we watched episode one, you were we were both kind of like, ooh, oh no, did Burn Notice peak? But these are like genuinely good episodes. Yeah. I'm excited. Um, I am revitalized. I'm excited.
0: Yeah, exactly. Can't wait to watch them screw it up. <laughs> all right. And with that, all that remains is to thank Vincent EL for our theme music. You can get more from Vincent EL at uh, vincentel.bandcamp.com. Go do that. Seriously. I love Vince's music. He Vince played a, a song that he's been working on uh, our friend's birthday a while back, and it's not online yet, but I was just like, this is really good. So, like, I really like Vince's music. Beyond that, there's nothing left to say but bye.
1: Hey, kid, you want to buy some hand sanitizer?
0: You don't want to sell me hand sanitizer. (laughs) You want to go home and rethink your life?
1: (laughs) I want to go home and rethink my life.